Hello everyone, so great to be with you once more talking about God's word and seeing the incredible things that God is doing in our lives and talking about the incredible things he can do in our lives. We are finishing off our Rebuild series today. My name is Carol Gosman and my husband and I are senior pastors of Every Nation Reimsich where we see lives, communities and society transformed through discipleship in the word, the presence and the power of God. Today we are talking, like I said, from the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah 6, and I've entitled this sermon, An Invitation, An Offer, and An Outcome. There was a man, and he had been ripped from his home, and he had been taken to another nation. He wasn't a particularly great man in his community in the sense that he, he wasn't a king, he wasn't a priest, he was a servant. He was a servant to the king. In fact, he was the cupbearer to the king. And he heard tales of how it was going very badly for the people in his home nation. And he'd heard stories of how Jerusalem had been burnt and broken down and his heart was broken. And he went before the king, which was a very dangerous thing. And he said, please, can you help? And the king sent him back to Jerusalem with resources and with people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem to find a discouraged people, to find a people disillusioned by their environment and wondering how they could make a difference. He managed to rally them and begin the great task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, which was the first, the first point of call to rebuilding a nation. Interestingly enough, as he was going about this task of rebuilding the walls, he met significant opposition from the enemies of Israel. When we think about the task that is around us, rebuilding the nation of South Africa, but at the same time, perhaps rebuilding our own lives from the difficulties that we've experienced, from the shattered dreams that have happened in 2020, from the the way that COVID-19 has come in and just undermined so much of what we had planned and, and perhaps impacted your life in ways that you had not imagined. The social turmoil that we've seen across nations in the movement of Black Lives Matter, in the gender-based violence that we've seen, all of these things have contributed to us being faced in some areas of our lives with levels of ruin and the Spirit of God, like we have been speaking about in this whole series, is calling out from Isaiah 61 verse 4, calling us to rebuild the ancient ruins, to lift up the places that have been long devastated, to be about the work of the kingdom, that is to rebuild, to rebuild individuals and to rebuild communities and to rebuild a nation. Just like Nehemiah, when we are faced with this task, there will be significant opposition to what we're doing. People will misunderstand us. People will uh, say things. Our own hearts will wrestle with the difficulties ahead of us. So we can learn incredible lessons from Nehemiah as he wrestled with the opposition that he faced so we can learn how to overcome and to, and to succeed at the very task that the Spirit of God has given us. Nehemiah, in his book, relates 
what he was going through. And we're going to pick up the story in, the, in chapter 6 from verse 1. It's quite a long passage, so bear with me as we read his story of opposition as he was building the walls. When word came from Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt, rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Listen, when there's a plain of Ono in a story, you know something interesting is about to happen. So they're on the villages of the plain of Ono. He's inviting them. It carries on and says, but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me and with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mahatabal, who was shut up in his home and he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. They are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the war was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Lord, as we... As we talk about this passage of scripture, I pray that you would bring to our hearts what we need to know, Lord God, that you would put a resilience and a strength in us, Lord God, that as we are facing the various challenges around us, we would be the kind of people that steward the message that you have given us, that are, are able to overcome the difficulties in front of us, that, that press into the promises of God so that we will see the outcome that you have promised. As I said, I'm looking at three things in this passage of Scripture. First of all, an invitation, an offer, and lastly, an outcome. So Nehemiah's enemies made him an invitation. Come down and speak to us. While we are on God's mission, 
The devil invites us into destructive conversations, a decoy, distractions, diversions, just like Nehemiah's enemies were inviting him into a conversation. It seems innocent, but it was a destructive conversation, a conversation meant to distract him from the mission that God had given him, meant to discourage him, meant to bring about his demise. Some years back, I was in a particular shopping center and I had my handbag over my shoulder. My cell phone was in my handbag. And as I went down the escalators, as I got to the bottom, a woman bent down and kind of stopped so that I was about to fall over her. And as I was scrambling to kind of not hurt her and not, not cause chaos on the escalator, someone behind me put their hand in my handbag and stole my cell phone. I only realized this just afterwards and I realized it had been a ploy to distract me so that they could steal something from me. I turned to the woman who had kind of distracted me and I started engaging in a conversation with her and saying, where's my cell phone? What have you done? What's going on? And she was very keen to talk to me. She talked to me for a good 5, 10, 15 minutes explaining things. No, it wasn't like this. This is what's happening. And she went on and on. And suddenly I realized this was a second distraction. This conversation was meant to keep my eyes on her so that I would lose the person who had taken my cell phone. So often the devil is like this, is that, that he invites us into a conversation. He invites us into a, a series of of propositions that he gives us so that we will take our eye off the ball, so that we will not notice the other things that he's doing, so that we will not continue with the mission that God has for us. So these men were inviting Nehemiah into a, a destructive and distracting conversation. The content of the conversation, we, we don't know what they were going to say, but we can surmise because they had another conversation with him. A couple of chapters back in chapter four, they were saying these kinds of things to, to him and about him. What are these feeble Jews doing in verse one? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? What? They are building even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. So we understand that these are the kinds of things that Nehemiah was going to hear if he went to a conversation with them, if he stopped the work and, and accepted their invitation. There are four kinds of invitations that the enemy will offer you as you go about the work that God has given you, as you go about accomplishing the things that God has laid on your heart. First of all, he will tell you things like what you want to do or be is unreasonable or stupid. What's he doing? It's an invitation to smallness. It's an invitation to think little of what God has called you to do. Some other things. You've heard these conversations. They've run through your mind. Another thing that he says, what? Sorry, you are not able to do what God has asked you. What is this? This is an invitation to doubt. This is an invitation to wonder whether God is really as good as he says he is. How about this? What you've done or who you are becoming is not good enough. It's an invitation to shame. It's an invitation to put on identity of rejection, of, of failure. How about this one? You are going to be harmed through this. It's an invitation to fear. 
These are the invitations that constantly the enemy offers us. An invitation to smallness, an invitation to doubt, an invitation to shame, an invitation to fear. And so often we engage in the conversation with him. Most of all, or most often this conversation happens in our minds and is empowered by our own fears and doubts about ourselves and about God. And he offers this invitation to us and all too often we accept. Nehemiah was wise enough to refuse the conversation and therefore to refuse those invitations. The men went on and when they realized that their invitation to that destructive conversation was not bearing fruit, they escalated things to accusation and they began to accuse him to speak about the fact that his motives were wrong and they were motives that were meant to bring about glory for him alone and were neglecting of the nation. When the enemy cannot get you into those conversations, often he escalates the invitation through accusation and there he invites you into something that I like to call examination stagnation or analysis paralysis, I've heard some people say, where you begin to just just go over in your mind every detail and you trying to work out how you how to overcome this and that and it's it's a never-ending examination of yourself an examination of the situation to the point where you can't move forward do not accept the enemy's invitation into examination stagnation so Jesus offers us a completely different invitation. Instead of an invitation to a conversation, an invitation into smallness, into doubt, into shame, into fear, he offers us an invitation into conversion. He wants to confer, convert our small thinking into great thinking. He wants to convert our doubt into fear. He wants to convert our shame into a sense of true identity in him. He wants to convert our fear into love. A very famous passage of scripture at the beginning of the book of Isaiah, God speaks to the nation of Israel and he says this, Verse 18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. In a very different way, Jesus is inviting us. He's inviting us into not into a conversation that will take us down a rabbit hole of doubt and fear. He's inviting us into a conversion. What do I mean by that? He's inviting us to engage with him in a way that will bring about change in us, that will make a difference in our lives, that will cause us to change so that we are ready for the task, are stronger for the future, are more able to, to do what he has called us to do. I'll give you an example. So much has been happening in the world and on the world stage right now. I think of George Floyd. I think of the many instances of gender-based violence that we've been experiencing. And there's, there's kind of a, a social upheaval, as I said earlier, happening. And part of this, I have been engaging with people of different ethnicities, people of different cultures on social media and holding conversations to really explore how we, how we can be more unified. And while I've been going about this process, 
someone, a friend of mine who used to live in Johannesburg, a black friend, she now lives in the US in New York and she contacted me and she began to challenge me on some of my methodology and, and some of my thinking. And you know, when she first challenged me, I, I have to be honest, I felt, I felt a little bit, oh wow, doesn't she see what I'm trying to do? But, but as we engaged, I began to see the validity of her points and she then invited me into something they were doing in their church where they were examining race and racism and various issues around that. And I, I have been attending some of their seminars and their, their talks that they've been giving. And then she invited me to debrief after each one with her on a very personal level. Like, what does that mean for me as a white person? What does that mean for her as a black person? And and these conversations have been so very fruitful. I have to be honest, they have really dug to the deep of my sense or dug to the foundation, should I say rather, of my sense of whiteness, so to speak. And they've already really allowed me to explore um, what it means to be Christian in such an environment with, with all these things going on around us and all these ideolog ideologies playing into, into our into our thinking space and it's allowed me to really explore that and and to be honest what she's done she invited me with Jesus into a place of conversion a place where where I could I could be changed where I could see things differently where my perspective could be broadened where I could understand things better and I have to say for me it's been one of the most liberating experiences to discover a new identity in Christ that is not based necessarily on my culture but is based on my relationship with Him and is based on a sense of universal humanity. And for me that has been so profound and so helpful and so good and it has allowed me to see people of different cultures in a way that I have never seen them before, even though I, I thought I was doing pretty well beforehand, but this has certainly expanded my horizons and has been such a blessing to me. And I, I feel like this is kind of the pathway that Jesus has us on in different arenas. Your, your journey might be in such a different place to mine, but as we face the tasks that God has given us, the opposition that comes will from the enemies, from the devil's side, it will kind of be an invitation into destruction. But with that will come an invitation from Jesus, an invitation to conversion, an invitation to embrace him, to become stronger, better, more vital, more alive, more free people by allowing him to change the way we think, allowing him to change our attitudes, allowing us to change the way we see. Anything God calls you to build will be challenged. You beat the challenge by staying focused and allowing God to change you on the way. Nehemiah 6 verse 3 tells of how Nehemiah faced this challenge of being, trying to be invited by his enemies into these destructive conversations. It says, and I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? What's he saying? I will re remain focused on what God has called me to do. And I will allow myself to engage with God in the process and be changed. Become the man I was meant to be in the process of doing the task that God has called me to do. These enemies of Nehemiah, they also made him an offer. 
Verse 10, it says, One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mahatabal, who was shut in the up in his own home and he said let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because the men are coming to kill you by night they are coming to kill you what what was the offer that was offered the offer was to save his life at the expense of the mission the offer was to say to him preserve yourself look after yourself don't worry about the nation don't worry about the people around you look after yourself the devil offers you so many opportunities for immediate indulgence. What does he mean? Quick fixes that violate relationship and hand the pain to the next generation. Anything that we don't fix in our generation, we will hand to the next generation and they will have to do it. The pain we refuse to face, the difficulties we refuse to face, the injustices we refuse to face in our generation will be handed to the next generation and it will be their pain to bear. If we, like Nehemiah, answer the devil's offer, accept the devil's offer for personal peace, for personal safety at the expense of the people around us and the mission that God has given us, we will hand to the next generation the pain that we were unwilling to face. Some examples of us accepting these offers from the enemy are things like divorce, quitting, Substance abuse, binges, outbursts of anger, cheating, suicide, self-harm. These are all ways where we say, I'm just going to look after myself. I'm just going to deal with my own stuff. Or I'm just going to placate my own pain without dealing with it and without dealing with the issues around me that society is manifesting. Jesus, on the other hand, gives us another offer. He gives, gives us an offer to long-term legacy. What's he saying? He's saying, Jesus saying to us, don't preserve your life. Rather come to me and give up your life. Give your life over to my purposes. Give your life over to my kingdom. Give your, give your life over to bringing my justice, my righteousness, my love, my truth on earth into your environment. And in so doing, as you lose your life in pursuit of me, you will gain it. He gives you a life that means something, even into eternity. He offers you relational reconciliation with God and with others versus religious activity, which was exactly what Nehemiah was offered. Come into the temple and just make everything comfortable for yourself and leave everyone else there who is battling with the wall, who's living in a city that's broken down. Forget their problems. Just preserve yourself. Engage in religious activities, but forget about the big issues. Forget about society. Forget about the people around you. And Jesus does the absolute opposite. He offers you reconciliation with God and reconciliation with people so that the, the ills and the issues of society are solved and are, are helped through that, that relational reconciliation. The offer Jesus gives us allows us to focus on what, what God has told us to do rather than our own safety. Nehemiah did this. And in so doing, in, 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 in giving up the, the opportunity to save himself, what he did is he secured the future of his children. He secured the future for a nation. 
And the beauty of it is at the end, he was vindicated and his, his life was better than it ever would have been had he been stuck hiding in the, in the temple as he was offered. John 12 verse 25 says this, Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Nehemiah's response mirrors that so well. He says, But I said, Should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I could go into the temple and live, I will not go in. In other words, I give my life for what God has called me to. The most life-giving thing you will ever do is to choose Jesus' agenda above your own. What was the outcome? Well, every day we have choices. Every day we must reject the invitations to destructive conversations that the enemy offers us. We must accept his invitation or accept Jesus' invitations to conversion, to change, to be new, to grow. We must reject the devil's offer of quick fixes that violate relationships and take Jesus' offer to give up our lives in exchange for a long-term legacy. You have freedom of choice, but not freedom of consequence. I love this story. Recently, someone I know found out that the company that she works for had been involved in some kind of corruption and involving UIF. And she realized that if she remained at that company, she would be complicit with this corruption. And so she resigned. And, you know, when I heard she'd resigned, my heart, my heart was heavy in the sense of, oh, my word, in this climate, where do you get another job? But you know what? As she, as she followed the convictions that God had given her, as she'd followed Jesus' mission, so to speak, for her life, within days she had received offers of employment so much better than what she had given up. In fact, the words she is reported to have used are words around a dream job. I've been offered or I have opportunity for now for my dream job. And the reason they were willing to employ her is because they saw the integrity of her heart and said anyone who would be willing to give up their job because they didn't want to be complicit with corruption. We want people like that. And I want to say to you, as you follow God's mission, as you refuse to save your life, at the expense of others, that He will save your life, that He will make a way for you, that He will open doors for you, and that the life that He shed will be given to you. As you give up your life, you receive His life in return. The final verses of the scripture we read is that war was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days unspeakable victory. 52 days was such a short time for that wall to be built. And when all the enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. And as you press into Jesus, as you, as you choose to allow him to change you, when you're faced with the, the opposition and the challenges, as you go about what God has called you to. 
as you press into him and allow him to change you, as, as you take his offer for a long-term legacy instead of short-term gratification, you will find the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, working on your behalf, opening doors for you that no man can shut, making a way for you that no, man, no other man could have made. The world will stand back and say, we can see that this has been done with the help of your God. God bless you. I'm, I want to pray for a number of people. First of all, I just want to pray for you. If you, if you are here and, and you are facing significant opposition, whether, whether it's been opposition from people or just circumstantial opposition, I want to pray for you for a breakthrough. So if that's you, why don't you just put your hand on your heart or just in some way indicate that you're receiving this prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray for these people and I ask, Lord God, that Father God, you would help them to make the changes that you are inviting them into. I pray, Lord God, that you would, you would draw them into a, a change experience with you, a conversion experience with you, Lord God. I know, I know they know you, but, but a change in their own hearts that will allow them to become better than they've ever been before. And Lord God, I pray that you would smash the walls of opposition against them. I pray you'd give them wisdom that would mean that they do not step into the distractions that God, oh, the, sorry, the distractions that the devil is offering them, that they would stay focused on what you have called them. They wouldn't, they wouldn't allow themselves to be pulled away from the task that you have called them to, but they would allow themselves to be changed on the way and that there would be a shout of triumph over their lives that would declare indeed God has done this work and second of all I want to pray just it's a little bit different from where I've been in the sermon but I know there are many people right now that you are out of work and you are you are wondering how you're going to how you're going to make it going forward and I just want I feel like God wants to make you this promise that he has gone before you already, that he's opening the door for you, that there, there is a gift of grace coming to you to weather this time and to come out of it victorious. And so, Lord, I pray for these people, Lord God, that right now in Jesus' name, every discouragement, every disappointment, every feeling of abandonment, every feeling of aloneness, every feeling of hopelessness. I break the power of that in Jesus' name. And right now, I command victory to come to those people. Father God, I just ask that you would give them a victorious mindset. You would change them from the inside out. They would see this, this time as an invitation to walk closely with you, to see themselves changed into new people, Lord God. Father God, I ask this in Jesus' name. And last of all, if you are watching this, and you don't know Jesus or you have walked away from Jesus and you have been, you have been living a life that, that has not been reflective of a relationship with you. I want to invite you back into a relationship or into a relationship for the first time. And if that's you and you want to take a step towards Jesus, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I come before you. Lord God, I surrender my life to you and I ask that you would be with me. Lord God, I ask that you would, you would take me from being outside of your kingdom to be in, being inside of your kingdom. I pray that you would give me a mission as, or a task in, in this giant mission to rebuild our nation, Lord God. I pray I'd be part of the victory that you are winning here. Lord God, I surrender my life to you and I ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I know that there is a link that you can press if you want to have more information or if you just want someone to walk with you. God bless you. Have a great week.